Is discounting a great way to attract new clients or does it cheapen your brand? We're gonna answer that question today. Never discount your services. You're cheapening your brand. You're attracting the wrong type of people. You have to attract people who are willing to pay a premium for the quality of service that you're providing. You have to discount to get new people in the door. Otherwise, you're not going to have any customers. I generally really dislike these black and white rules in marketing. I think there are certain times that there's a black and white statement you can make that's truly applicable. So if I were to say something like, Hey, if you're a service-based business, you should really be proactive about getting new Google reviews and having a high star rating on your Google listing, right? That's true. There's not really a counter argument to that. But a lot of times in marketing, we're presented with this false dichotomy between options when context really, really matters. I think that's very true of discounting. So some of the reasons you hear in my little opening dialogue there, you hear people say not to discount. They say things like, you're cheapening your brand, you're attracting the wrong people, those types of things, right? So here's the truth about discount shoppers. So first, let me establish like what a discount shopper is and how people generally purchase. So we had Sarah Schickman on the podcast, I think it was one of our first episodes, and she said she audited her practice at the time before she eventually grew a multi-million dollar business and sold it. Um, and she audited her top 20% of spenders. So the people that were spending the most money at her med spa, half of that top 20% originally came from Groupon. Now, how does that make sense? Why does that make sense? So I use this quote a ton on the podcast and in these videos, but here's the concept that's coming into play when you're discounting to attract new customers. So the concept that you're trying to leverage is this idea that action changes attitude faster than attitude changes action. That's a quote from a book called The Advertising Effect by Adam Ferrier that I use all the time. And it's the idea that the best way to get someone to know, like, and trust you is to get them to come in and have an authentic experience or engagement with your business. So discounting is a great way to tip the scales in your favor so that you shape perception based on experience. People will now know, like, and trust you, not because they saw it in a marketing message or an ad. It's really hard to convince someone to know, like, and trust you via an ad, but they'll know, like, and trust you based on personal experience. So you see this principle come into play all the time where people do some form of discounting to get you to purchase with them for the first time. And then you stay and you purchase other things from that brand at normal price, potentially for months and years. So I'll give a few examples here. My wife and I used to go to a happy hour at a bar in downtown Nashville when we had lived in our first apartment downtown called Etch. It's a really nice upscale restaurant. The owner of the restaurant gets flown into the NFL owners dinners every year from what I recall. Carrie Underwood pops in there and has dinner and they have a happy hour at their bar. So why would Etch, a nice restaurant like that, have a happy hour? Now, they might have not thought it through. They might just think, hey, it's good to have a little happy hour at the bar. Let's just do it. But how does it actually play out in terms of a business benefit? Well, for us, we probably weren't going to go to Etch very often to eat dinner when it probably ends up costing you $100 a head to go in and out for dinner. But we would happily go sit at the bar and have a cocktail, and then we end up buying appetizers and other things and spending $80 to $100 um, when we originally brought in for a happy hour drink. We also ended up having a Valentine's Day date there. We had a gift card from some family members, but we spent a ton of money on that Valentine's Day date. We would have not chosen Etch for that Valentine's Day date, for example, if it weren't for our firsthand knowledge and experience sitting at the bar having happy hour and growing an affection for this business in this restaurant.
we also end up talking about that restaurant to other people. And if we have a recommendation for a nice place to go downtown that's high end, we'll talk about Etch. So I think that's a really good example. You see high end gyms and personal trainers, places that are the luxury option in their market. They'll still do things like a free assessment, a week, a, a week free, a discounted week to get you in the door to play on that principle of action changes attitude faster than attitude changes action. If you come and you have a great experience with your personal trainer, it might have tipped the scales in your favor to get you to actually come in for the first time because they gave you a promo. But if you really like it, you'll stay and you'll become a member. Our local F45 gym does this. I'm sure that's a franchise-wide thing. So that's like a, a, a like a box gym where it's group fitness training in like a retail space. They do things like free friend Friday, free week trials, discounted week, discounted month. And what they're trying to do is for you to create a habit and to have an authentic experience engaging with that brand that ends up causing you to be a customer and purchasing at normal price. Luxury resorts. I just did some Google searching, trying to figure out examples that I could use here. You see five-star resorts in Cancun, the highest end resorts. I just went to one of their websites. They've got a promo running right now for 30% off. So again, I think that all of these businesses are subconsciously trying to leverage that same principle. So let's go to that first objection, which is, so I guess to summarize that, you see all the time disc people that are originally coming in for a discount that end up paying normal prices and staying with you because they now know, like, and trust you based on personal experience. It happens all the time in a variety of businesses. Certain percentage of the people that come in for a discount might leave, but a certain percentage of them are going to become great customers and clients. We audit this for our clients. We've got a client right now that's doing, we do this a lot. Um, Botox new patient special offer, pretty aggressive discounting 20 units, 179, for example, we had some people that were spending over $1,000 on that initial visit, not to mention rebooking, referring friends because they had a great experience after they came in. So that's going to tie into a point here in a minute. But first, I want to go to the objection of does this cheapen your brand? And I don't think that that's a reality. So let me explain. I think for product-based businesses, cheapening your brand takes away the luxury component of the status symbol. So if Mercedes were always running promos and discounts, then now that if I'm driving a Mercedes, I feel like I'm driving the car that other people drove because they got a discount or something that made it feel cheap, that diminishes the brand value of Mercedes or Louis Vuitton or Rolex watches. But I don't think that same principle applies for service-based businesses. They don't attach to a status symbol the same way that those product brands do. So let me illustrate a hypothetical scenario. If your med spa could be the highest rated in town, so people go to Google and they look at your reviews, you've got 300 five-star reviews and your both your competitors that are close to you have 4.5 stars. So you're the most reputable brand. If people ha don't have some sort of personal relationship with you or a word of mouth referral and they're doing research, you're going to stand apart in terms of reputation. If you could also be cheaper than those other competitors, you're creating a scenario that's an absolute no-brainer for your customers. You dominate the market. Now, obviously, you don't want to do that because you want to maximize profits. And if you can get your books full of people paying a higher price for services and you can consistently win on reputation, that's the ideal scenario. But I wanted to paint that hypothetical. You're not going to not choose the most luxurious med spa in town because their price is too cheap. So I just reject the this is going to cheapen your brand as a med spa, as a service-based business. So that's a good segue into my scoring matrix that I think impacts purchase decisions 
for med spas and really most businesses and especially service-based businesses. So I sort of reject the idea of a unique value proposition. So unique value proposition is the specific variable or attribute that helps you stand out for the market. So I've hear, heard this described, Sarah actually did a really good job of describing this concept of unique value proposition on our podcast episode. She said, are you going to be the Walmart of med spas where it's like, you're just the cheapest if people want the lowest price on Botox, they're coming to you. Or are you the high end option? Like, you know, a Publix, if you're going to get groceries and you want a great shopping experience, that's our chain here in the Southeast. It's like the nicer grocery chain, um, kind of picking your lane. And I think that can make sense to an extent, but not, uh, I don't think it encompasses really how people buy from service-based businesses. So when people are buying from service-based businesses, it's my contention that people are using a subconscious scoring matrix of a variety of factors. So they're not necessarily, if I, if I were to ask you, why'd you go to your eye doctor, for example, you don't know that your eye doctor has a unique value proposition, but you were doing this subconscious scoring calculation that I'm about to outline. I think people are buying on a combination of these three factors. Factors of know, like, and trust, and that could be your Google reviews, your Yelp reviews, word of mouth referrals, what people are saying about you on Facebook, what people see on your organic social media accounts in terms of the personalities that they're engaging with on social media. So factors of know, like, and trust, price considerations, and then convenience. Where are you located? Is it easy for them to get to you? Is it easy to get in and out relative to where they work or where they live? And I think everybody's doing a subconscious scoring calculation. If you think of it as you're, you're rating a business from one to 10 on each of these factors. So my eye doctor, for example, there are some eye doctors that are down in the main area of our town that are 15 minutes away. My eye doctor is five minutes away. It's really close. I don't have to go through the crazy part of the traffic that's by the interstate. So that's one variable where my eye doctor scored higher. Price, I'm using insurance, so price is going to be basically a constant. I'm not really worried about price when I'm looking at an eye doctor. And then reputation, they had great reviews, just like some of the other practices in town. So in their in specific instance, it was just location that tipped the scales in the, their favor for me to make a purchase decision. And it could be any of those attributes, attributes, and it could be the smallest increment of change in those attributes that tip the scales in your favor as a med spa. So if you've got a five-star reputation and your competitor has a five-star star reputation and you're both close to each other, how can you tip the scales in your favor to attract a client for the first time? I think for those businesses, discounting is going to be really powerful because it's the one thing that you can manipulate. So for that reason, discounting is good for most businesses. If you answer this question in the affirmative, if I say, do you need more new patients coming through the door this month? If the answer is yes, and you need a pretty large chunk of new patients coming through the door this month, or you want a large chunk of new patients, discounting is going to be the most cost-effective way to acquire a new customer. If you try the alternative, which is, hey, I'm not going to discount. I'm just going to talk about my brand, why people should know, like, and trust me. But you don't really have anything that makes you stand apart, or you're maybe on a somewhat level playing field with your competitors in some of those areas. And you try to do things like, hey, just come in for a $100 evaluation for your first visit. That can be effective, but it's going to cost you a lot more to acquire a customer using that strategy. So just as an example, for every $1,000 you spend on marketing and advertising, you might acquire two new patients. 
using that strategy for every thousand dollars. So if you start to look at your projections, how many new patients do you need in the door? If you can go that route and say, hey, I just want to make sure I'm consistently getting two new patients a week, for example. And so for every thousand dollars I spend on ads, I'm seeing two new patients I never saw every week. They're paying our normal price and um, we're going to retain them really well. And that's going to be how we grow our practice. That's fine. But if you need your books full and you want to maximize the number of new patients coming through your door based on your advertising investment, discounting is going to be the way to do that. We've got clients that are acquiring customers for less than $100 in ad spend. So for every $1,000 they're spending on ads, they're getting 10 to 15 people that they've never seen before through the doors. Um, so for that reason, I think if you answer that question in the affirmative that you need a larger volume of new patients and it aligns with your goals, then discounting is generally a good strategy. If you're happy with your schedule and you're as busy, as busy as you could possibly be, then you don't need to discount. So this is all context dependent. If you don't need to discount to have your books full and you don't need more appointments on the books, you're growing from word of mouth referrals and just existing demand, by all means, maybe raise your prices and don't discount. Um, if you're a top rated provider and you're trying to win on reputation and you can be patient with new uh, customer acquisition, I have the owners of High Finch, one of the owners of High Finch coming on the, the podcast soon. They're a med spot here in Nashville. They've got a perfect five-star reviews. They don't do a ton of discounting from what I can tell. And their initial ask is that you schedule a, a, that first visit for $100 for a treatment evaluation. So as long as that's working for you and you're acquiring customers and your books are as full as you that you want to be, then you can go that route. Long story short, this is a completely context dependent answer. There's no rhyme, there's no right or wrong answer to whether or you should or should not discount. I just wanted to highlight the trade-offs, explain this some of the consumer psychology that goes behind this, and make sure that you understand how you can use discounting to align with your business growth objectives. If you have any questions about this, please shoot them in the comments because I know there are a lot of things that probably spin off in terms of questions. So shoot something in the comments. Happy to answer any questions you might have.